has always been portrayed as something bad. Yeah, but then, like, in this, it's also good, but it's also bad. Yeah, see, that's why I don't like the song. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anything, anything to do with art, you have to give a little leeway, Zachary. Who's the one who made the song? Who's the song by? Oh, uh, Hillsong United. Oh, okay. That explains why I don't like it. <laughs> oh! oh. It's, it's, it's on my short list of, of songs that I will never, ever, ever play on a Sunday morning, why? despite if people request it. it. The other one, the other big one is that uh, Sloppy Wet Kiss nonsense song. Oh, yeah. What? I, I detest he that song. He is jealous for me. Oh, Looks not like only is it musically written for corporate tree. body. It's just... Oh, I'm a tree. Just, Look, I like on. John Mark McMillan, but I don't like anything before his album Borderlands, which came out this year. Standing beneath <laughs> the weight of his wind, adversity. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm so unaware of these afflictions, eclipses. Like, I don't like the cadence at all. It just no. It's, it doesn't me. feel right. Well, well it depends it, upon it depends upon who you're who you're talking about about the the cover of that because everyone everyone covered that song after he did it, but. I really, really can't. I couldn't stand the song until I heard the story behind it. His sto- if you look at up John Mark McMillan telling the story of how he loves us, it's actually kind of cool. Did you as, ever as read? Most, of, did you ever read that? any of his rants against people who criticize this song? He calls them terrorists and evil people, and he he just go. There's one interview he gave that was like way <laughs> off the wall. He was calling his. Christian brothers and sisters' names and compa- yeah, it was just. I, 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 know, I never, I never got the impression that he was like, like uh, down, down to earth. Um, in a kind of up there, <laughs> out there. Um, anyway, so uh, ignoring ignoring all that, we'll get we'll get to go on random worship rants in the middle of our podcast. Um, or or but, maybe we're we've been recording and I haven't been telling you. I like it. Let's actually, do. It. Actually, you know what? That's 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 completely all right. Um, so uh, does that mean that we should start with an intro, or should I just start going with a subject? Or what? Are, I, I have um, no idea how to run with this. Here's how I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say. This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. This is the Theology Gaming Podcast. Welcome. My name is Zachary Oliver, the owner and proprietor of the Theology Gaming Blog. And with me today are three special guests who are going to introduce themselves all simultaneously. Because why wouldn't we have something stupid happen at the beginning of the podcast? So so that means that we should introduce ourselves now? Yeah, all three, hypothetically, two, one. Hypothetically speaking. I am TED99. I am, I am M. Joshua. Okay. I, I am Jonathan R. Clausen. And Jonathan R. Clausen, you have an, an attunement to music, and so does Ted Loring, and I do not. I just like to talk about music and think that I'm really cool because I am a pretentious hipster. But Where's your scarf? Uh, no, 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 yeah, no, no. no. I'm, I, I am a pretentious hipster, which means that Fantastic. by assumption I am, I am not because the nature his anyway, beard has reached hipster status i mean if you yeah. look at it it's got that well-trimmed yet scruffy look that only can be achieved by a true hipster i'm <laughs> a little true. jealous of that because i cannot grow a beard i'm 47 and all i do is i get a neck fuzz <laughs> it's very unpretentious and it's very unhipster <laughs> that's okay but the thing is today we're going to be doing something we're going to be doing the hipster of the hipster thing of video games, Absolutely. and I know that you guys, well, you guys are going to be completely okay with this because um, <laughs> I say so. And uh, basically, today we're talking about the discernment of fine mechanics, or, or more accurately, the uh, the way that I introduce the subject to, to uh, or, or wrap the subject up in a little basket and little bonnet, put a hat on it, is to say. What what happens when you listen to really really fine tuned music with a beautiful arrangement, and you notice there's 
this this subtlety of of meaning between this these these this chord progression and the transition to the next chord progression and you notice the artist is doing this one thing where he's saying this one thing and people who don't have an ear for music aren't going to pick that up in video games so it is and so in in for for Mr. Zachary Oliver he has a couple of games that he uh that that would on paper appear very very similar but he has noticed a a unique difference between those two games and he has approached me uh with this this example and Zachary if you will take us away on the comparison of these two very similar video games and how you discern the meaning between them okay so i've been playing Bayonetta 2 a whole lot given that it was recently released and i i guess i plugged in about 30 hours or so so i I would call myself experienced enough to say that there are subtle nuances that I could detect after that long, right? And at the same time, I've been playing Ninja Gaiden 2 for the Xbox, which is the kind of not-well-loved sequel to Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> Mostly because the, on, the, on the original Xbox, Zachary? On the, well, the sequel to the Xbox One. The, okay, that's going to get confusing. The first yes, Xbox. <laughs> Ninja Gaiden on the original Xbox was okay, the gotcha. reboot. And then Ninja right. Gaiden 2 on the 360 was the sequel. Heard. All right, thank you. Please continue. All right, so I've been playing both simultaneously, and there's strange differences that you notice after playing games that long. Like, in Bayonetta, I get the sense that the developers are having a lot of fun just throwing whatever at the wall. And in every single minute little punch and kick, there's a sense that they were like, well, this punch should last X amount of time, and there should be this certain amount of vibration on the controller when the punch hits, or the kick hits. Or this hit should sound louder, and this one should make the screen freeze for a second. Like, there's all these little things, and since Bayonetta is like, I guess dancer-esque would be the best way to put it. When yeah, you I think that's levels. pretty accurate. Yeah, and there's this constant tension between attack and defense, because really what you're doing is, while you're attacking, you're just waiting and looking for the next enemy who's going to attack you, so that you can dodge them, right? Because you're on the kind of this precipice of like getting hit and then not getting hit, and the game ranks you for getting hit, so you don't want to get to And trying to get really close to getting hit, but dodging at just the right time so you yeah. can slam into which time. And the game does a really cool thing, like there's a, a form called the Bat Within, so if you dodge an attack right before it hits you get a special animation where she turns into a uh, like a flock of bats. And it has like the super satisfying sound to it, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And Bayonetta yeah. is like, the whole thing is about like satisfying motion movement, you know, hits. And every hit actually feels like it's like smacking something in the face really hard. <laughs> and, and now this, this is actually a good time to discern uh, or, or to, to share about how some people play video games and they're like, I am seeing witches and demons on screen, and this is bad. And there's GTA <laughs> GTA strippers, and I'm running over them with my car because this is the only way I know how to play this game. And I know this is bad, but I'm doing it anyway. So there's that kind of Christian approach to games. And now, Zachary, I think your approach to, to your your Christian discernment of games is very different from the, from most people's. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the I fact like that that you mechanics. you identify with. Um, some sort of meaning from the the core mechanics. Well, Bayonetta 2 is just about, like, fun. It really is just everything in the game is contributing to the sense of, like, we'll just do whatever, and you're going to have fun doing it, right? 
just sheer sense of scale. Uh, you know, the game never takes itself too seriously. Everything she says is kind of some sort of vague innuendo if you want to look into it that far. There's a costume where you can put on a Mario hat, and her taunt turns into a Mamma Mia. <laughs> and she uses a chain chomp as a weapon. I mean, it's... You're not okay, that, that far. That, from... that, does, that does sound funny. Yeah, it's very funny to watch. But it's also kind of fun, funny that she's, she's like, using all these very um, E-rated characters um, and, and sort of does, like, more M-rated game things with their, with their character suits or yeah. something like that. And Bayonetta is all about poking fun at stuff and making stupid pop culture references and, like, being super campy and saying, like, The Matrix was cool 15 years ago. Here's more of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, like, kind of funny. <laughs> it is exuberantly self-aware and absolutely dumb for reasons that are very clear to me. And it's just, like, joyful. It's a joyful And how, how does that contrast with... With uh, Ninja Gaiden. Whereas Ninja Gaiden is like, I could care less about you. We're going to try to kill you in as many ways as possible. <laughs> it is the game of intentional obstructions. It's like, here it is. We're just going to throw a hundred enemies at you and you're going to like it. And either you're going to survive or you're going to die. And while each move in Ninja Gaiden 2 is satisfying, similarly in a way that Bayonetta is, it's more about like... <laughs> well, decapitating and deliming people. Yeah. And you have to do it, like, super fast. Like, all these mechanics kind of play into each other, but it's like, here's the beheading thing, here's the thing where you hit a guy, like, a million times and he flies into the air, and then we're going to send, like, 25 more enemies at you after you've killed these ones. And they're all going to attack you at the same time. So the game is mostly about trying to survive rather than, like, getting a perfect score. Okay, so if, if I'm understanding this a little bit more accurately, what, what, what you're actually getting at is mechanical theme. Yeah, they're theming through the game, right? Like, Bayonetta, she's a dancer. She's basically invincible. It's very yeah. hard to die in Bayonetta. But, but you're but still basically pressing yeah. X, X, Y, and, and B, and pressing the, the triggers to dodge at the right time you are, in both right? games, but right? You're pressing X not to die. But there's a big difference, <laughs> right? In Bayonetta, it's a performance, yeah. You're playing the way that, like, if you're playing the game right, that's the way Bayonetta should look when she's fighting, right? Hold me if, closely, violent yeah. dancer. If she's, like, in control of the camera, it looks dancer. Nice. It has this dancer vibe to it, right? Where you're just dodging everything perfectly, and you basically take no hits whatsoever. <laughs> huh. And then in Ninja Gaiden, it's like, I will do whatever cheat move I need to to survive. And I am, like, the coolest, badass ninja there is, and I'm just going to kill everything on screen when I flip out. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't become the most awesome ninja in the world, the game will kill you over yeah. and over and over again. So it's basically, like, sending you this challenge. Like, you will survive or you will die, and the game will not care. So it starts to sound a lot more like Dark Souls in that sense. Yeah, sort of like Dark Souls. Yeah. Except that this is, like... And the game kind of encourages you to be super violent towards everything. <laughs> yeah. Through its mechanics, right? I mean, sure, one of the essential sure. techniques is just to behead guys or, like, violently kill them in, in every way you could possibly can. So. <laughs> Understood. Nice. So and everything's John... crunchy and bone snapping. You know, it's just the, the sound effects and the vibrations of the controller. It's so all it, has, like it just has more of a thing. brutalist kind of kind of approach. Yeah. And I, it's weird. Like, these games are very similar in many ways. But in a lot of ways, they're just not, if you're looking at these nuances. Mm -hmm. That's cool. 
Jonathan, can you think of two games that you've played that that have uh, very similar mechanics but completely different mechanical themes? I can answer easily on the first part of the question, not so much on the second part. But if if I had to pick, I'll just pick from a, a game that I'm currently playing. It is the game I'm currently playing. And uh, one of my favorite popcorn sci-fi shooter franchises, and I think everyone can figure it out by now, that would be Destiny and Halo. That, yes, yeah, that's a good and that's, one. And that's, and that's, of course, a really good comparison considering they're both, they're both uh, generated from the same company. Yes, yes. Bungie, indeed. I wish I could compare Marathon to them, but not too many people would understand Marathon. Well, most that's, that's, that that's because, time. I mean, people forget that Marathon even exists. Um, indeed. Well, wasn't it's that originally a Mac game? It was, well, because Bungie was originally a Mac developer. Yeah. And they, they, Halo Combat Evolved was originally shown on stage at a Macworld expo. Uh, with with Steve Jobs inter, uh, introducing it back when he first came to the company, Microsoft saw it and was like, "Dude, we need to get this." So <laughs> they, they got it, and a year later, Bungie had Xbox exclusivity, and then they sold out to some company called Westlake Interactive to port it to the Mac. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, so, so, so th- I guess the two things that may—I mean, if you play Destiny, you feel Halo. There's no doubt about it. In the in the movements, the shooting, it's just like a further refinement. It's like um, it's like a chef just making the final touches to a recipe. It's it's perfect. But I'd say the big thing comes over the mechanic as a whole, which is in Halo, you play as a hero. You play as Master Chief. You play as John One One Seven, and that's it. And you have your little Cortana person next to you, and you are you are playing as this already preordained or pre pre prescribed hero. You already yeah, there's no yeah. variation in this. Whereas in Destiny, while the gameplay is still linear in the fact that you have specific missions you have to do and strikes and raids, you ultimately choose what character you are playing as. Not just yeah. Titan, Hunter, uh and Warlock, but you're also picking one of three races that arguably don't make a difference right now. But they, you have the ability to craft your own character, so to speak, which is a big, big difference between the two. Cool. Yeah. You know, I uh, recently picked up Halo 3 after playing Destiny, mm-hmm. and I really thought that the actual mechanics, like the controller buttons, were going to be the same, but they really are different. It's amazing so, yeah. how, as time goes by, you think, oh, every first-person shooter uses left trigger to throw a hand grenade or mm-hmm. no 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 nowadays on, on destiny that left trigger that that zooms in on your weapon i think before you shoot does that sound right jonathan yeah uh, it's it, 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 on every on every platform except the ps3 yes go ahead haters of the playstation sigh for the playstation 3 <sighs> the, the 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 iron sights and the actual trigger are on r1 and l1 instead of the instead of the triggers because the oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, t- the what would be the bumper buttons on the yeah. Xbox? Doesn't controller. make the PS3 controller right, right now, suck t- any less for FPS. For, 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 for radio listeners, the uh, Ted is everyone is currently using their two index fingers like fish. Yeah. Right. So if you have <laughs> like, like I have a PlayStation 3 controller, so this is the trigger and iron sights. This is your grenade and melee. When and he says this, he's talking the, the 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 back buttons. And here's the PlayStation 4 controller. These top the, buttons the bumpers. here. Yeah. yeah. The bumpers are your grenade and melee, and then down here, your nice feeling good triggers are your iron sights and shooters, just like the one. 
So when I played Halo, I went to uh, zoom in and I ended up throwing a hand grenade. I was like, how do I zoom in? I know there's a way to do it. I think you you push down on the right analog. You click on the right. Yeah. And that's that's the funny thing is like even the difference between Halo 3 and Halo 4 controller wise is completely different. And if you you mess with the controller settings, you can actually set it to something that's much closer to Halo 3 by going to recon. But it's also more prevalent if you go back to any game that was made before Modern Warfare. And before I, I could be I could be wrong, but I think it was Modern Warfare that standardized X or Square as reload. Like if you ever go if you ever go back and try to play another game, like the original Killzone on PlayStation, Square is not reload. It's not. It's very annoying. I think it was X was to reload. Isn't it reload on Halo? It is, but Halo yeah. came out. Yeah, so I think it was Call of Duty two or three that standardized. I don't remember. I'm gonna have to. Well, on the Wii, you just shake your nunchuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's more efficient than one button. <laughs> I think another another mechanic that Destiny is so good at that you didn't have in Halo was the feeling of personal empowerment, and that is that's kind of I, I find that through the super uses that you can have. So, for example, the Titan can either do this massive aerial ground pound. Or yeah. they can throw up a, this massive all damage blocking bubble. Just don't throw it up in a raid with a newbie because he'll throw he'll try to shoot through it with his rocket launcher and wipe your team. Um, <laughs> but but the, there is a lot more personal subtle touches to the game. Um, it's 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 about special powers that individual players, I mean that you earn as you personalize your particular warriors because each class has two different subclasses. So, for example, I play a Warlock, and I can either be a Voidwalker, which deals lots of damage with its big purple ball of death, and then you, or called Nova Bomb, and then you have the Sunsinger, which is kind of a support role. It can let everyone use their grenades and special melee attacks as fast as they can use them. It can instant res you from beyond death to help save your team in a crucial moment. So it just speaks to your style of play. Whereas Halo, you play as one big giant space marine. Yeah, that makes that makes a good a good amount of sense. So Ted, how about you? What are you playing, and how does it relate to a similar game? All right, I had to really throw this together quick. So this may not be a perfect example. We love you, Ted. I do, it, do, it, do it, do it, do it. But these do have to do it. I think what we're talking about are the subtleties in programming or game design that you know, you pick up on because you've played something before that is similar. Right. So where I'm going with this one is my experience with SimCity on the Super Nintendo, which is the only system I ever played that game on. <laughs> Not a comparing Not a comparing bad to Minecraft that I just started playing a week ago on the Xbox One. Had never played Minecraft before. Oh wow. it was nice no it was nice knowing you Ted. <laughs> my life is over. Yeah, it's over. So, suddenly, though. Ted has has uh, uh, enclosed gates around humans, just like that one listener that we had several <laughs> several years, like, like last year. I have um, not done that to have and tra- trapping humans and and farming them. <laughs> so the things that I think are similar thematically with these two is certainly the ability to create. You can make something almost whatever you want it to be. Yeah. And the difference there is that in Minecraft, you do have to start with the most basic elements and then craft them into things like iron 
ore becomes iron ingots, which you can use for other things. Wood can become charcoal, which you can use to combine with a stick and make a torch, things like that. Whereas in SimCity, you pretty much had everything already made. You just yeah. had to let it develop when you, when you did it. Yeah. But both had a certain element of satisfaction about it where you can't stop thinking about it. And I've been playing Minecraft so much, I think, that I'm looking out the window right now at a tree in a house, and I am blockifying it in my mind. I'm converting <laughs> it to Minecraft in my own head. Minecraft and you're thinking is, about how many punches it's going to take to turn that, that yeah. tree into... <laughs> Minecraft has weird sound design. Like The, the sound design is, is yeah. kind of alarming because it's much more realist than the, world, the rest of the world around it, but it's also very uh, synthetic, I Yeah, think? but it makes a clump. Well, everything you do has like a weird little sound effect to it. <laughs> the sound of enemies really serves its purpose well because there are times when you hear them but you can't quite see them. And yeah, like when you I'm, know a creeper is nearby. I want to play in the creative mode. I want to play where there's a, a, a risk. A survival and, challenge. Yeah. Right. So you hear that little tss, and you're like, oh, yes. Yeah, or like it? you're in a cave, you know, or you're digging your way through, and all of a sudden you start hearing a sound. So you know there must be a cavern around. Right. It very, it very much invoked in me a, a feeling of being a boy again and exploring. I remember when I was a boy up with my brothers in Canada where we were vacationing up at this really remote lake. And we had taken the boat to this place that was huge rocky formations and stuff like that. And we found this crack in the rock. And since I was the smallest, they sent me down this crack oh, to tell them what was in there. Not and so, cool. So I get down in there and there's like these eggs on the ground beneath me. And I'm like, get me out of here. It's sort Were of they like alien eggs. I think they might have been some sort of reptilian yeah, <laughs> eggs yeah. that I did not want to mess with. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they were snake or whatever, but <laughs> it was that same. The game gave me that same sort of feeling of some mystery, a little bit of fear, and uh, satisfaction is a key word that seems to be coming back to me because, uh, and also, I've never. I'm, I have my friend uh, Squiggly, who I play with online, and I've been able to go to his little world and help him build things. And he's come to mine and done some exploring. And I just hear him to my headpiece because I'm like, I ran back to the house because it was dark and I don't want to be around the, the scary things. And he's down in some cavern somewhere. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you got this. There's a chest down here. It's got diamonds. You're so lucky. I'm like, I guess I am. <laughs> felt diamonds like, I felt are like, rare. They are yeah, very like rare a, on survival. <laughs> but I felt like a kid in that sense with him exploring and, and talking about it. Did, did you ever feel a sense of, of, of childlike wonder when you played SimCity? I did. I'll tell you when I did was after you did have a city built and running and a bad thing would happen. You're like, oh, no, it's it's Godzilla coming through. Or, or was it Godzilla? Or, no, no, it was... um The monster, the aliens or something? Big turtle guy that's Mario's enemy. Oh, my brain. Bowser. 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 I think Bowser comes through. And, <laughs> you know, he leaves a trail of destruction behind it. So it's, That's actually it was, kind of awesome. Yeah, it was fun to deal with that. Or sometimes yeah. there'd be a tidal wave, so there'd be flooding on the inlands and things like that. So <laughs> yeah. you were just always thinking about what you had to do next to, to continue to grow and to thrive. Right. Yeah. All the buildings in that game have a great sound effect when you lay them down, too. Especially, like, nuclear power plant. It's like, boom! You know? <laughs> smack! It's like you're just, like, putting... Because if it's a big building, it should be heavy, right? Yeah, it's like exactly. Yeah, exactly. Heavy sound yeah. to it. It's and weird. Plus, 
plus if you're doing anything in a game you want to make it you want to have a sense that it has significant impact and i think that sound is something that i've i've come to much much more appreciate in the the design of games because that's how you you gain a sense of of uh footing of impact of 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 making your decisions that matter in that world yeah i think brian hall was the one who kind of made me think of this subject right and since he's yeah, not yeah, here, yeah. let's talk about the two I, games. I have one more gonna... thing about my my thing, and then, then if you don't mind, but I just remember when I was playing SimCity Overhead, I was like, I wish I could go into that world. I wish I could walk within it or or fly around it. And I know later versions of the SimCities, I think, let you do that with a helicopter or whatever. Mm-hmm. But since I haven't experienced that, but I have experienced Minecraft, that's where I think it sort of does. I used to see things from above and wish I could go down in there. Now with Minecraft, I am down in there. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's a big difference. That's cool. Okay, so Zach, next. Zach, what were you going to say about uh, Brian Hall's choices? Yeah, Brian Hall made choices. He's His mic didn't work, so he's not here. But This is our chance to say what we really think about Brian <laughs> yes. Hall. Brian is cool. <laughs> I tentatively agree with that statement. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, Brian. <laughs> Okay, so his two examples were he's comparing Uncharted and Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and, like, they're very similar games in a lot of respects, but one is, like, super serious. Thematically, they're they're very, very, um, very similar. I mean, it looks like Uncharted took its cues from the original Tomb Raider. So it's kind of a very interesting give and take from... Uh, even from even if you go all the way back to the original Uncharted and compare that with like the third Uncharted, and then you compare the third Uncharted with the new Tomb Raider because they're the the ones that came out most recently. Um, I can definitely see how there's that that uh, that same sense of of swashbuckling explorers. Uh, I mean, they're, and and they're all debatably influenced by Indiana Jones. Yeah, I feel like the mechanics in Uncharted, which are is a little influenced lighter. by other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah, the mechanics in Uncharted are a little lighter, though. I mean. It's well, kind of strange because, you know, like you're shooting guys in the head and they just kind of like fall over. Yeah. Whereas in yeah. Tomb Raider, it's like everything dies super horribly. Yes. Well, it's kind of interesting because there's there's a, a fundamental difference in in theory of animation in both games. Mm. Like, for example, in Tomb, in Tomb Raider, you press that jump button, whatever is happening to Lara at that time canceled suddenly she's in the air um there's there's no uh there's no uh chain transition animation from one point to the other it's suddenly that she is she is jumping and that's a fundamental design that's been part of tomb raider for the entirety of tomb raider but in uncharted uh you press the x button and nathan drake's he's got to finish his animation of of taking the next step before yeah. he's up into the air you and that creates a very ahead. very different feel um and, 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 and fundamental design between uh, Naughty Dog and uh, Crystal Dynamics. Plus uh, Crystal Dynamics, they have the bow. Yeah. And the bow is, like, super cool. And especially, like, all the sound effects. And it, like, draws slowly with the crosshairs. I love that bow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and when you start talking about the bow, you have to start comparing um, Tomb Raider to the other game that came out much closer to it from Naughty Dog, which, of course, was Less The Last of Us, where you end up also using a bow. And also... Um, are finding yourself in both games in that tension of can I recover an arrow? Can I not recover an arrow? Is the mm-hmm. is the su- is it like a super cool bow animation like that game? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything in The Last of Us is a super cool animation. I mean, that's <laughs> that's I mean, that's my per- my perception. I mean, super cool is debatable when you're talking about um, trying to shove a dude's face into broken glass. Oh, come um, 
<laughs> I'm yeah. saying, is it mechanically satisfying to shove oh, the oh, yeah. into the broken glass? Like, yeah, they yeah. have given you the associated sound effects and other <laughs> narrative justifications to say, here's something super crunchy. You know? <laughs> yes, I would say for Joel, yes. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I mean, Gears of War, right? Like when you come up with that chainsaw on the Lancer and you get to the guy, they give you like this three second animation where you basically chop the guy in half or like yeah. you curb stomp him. And you're not supposed, you know what I mean? In like real life, you would be like, oh my God, that's horrible. But you spent like an hour fighting all these guys and you're like, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to chainsaw this dude in half. And, 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 and Jonathan Rrr. just pulled out his chainsaw. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm sorry. What, what is, what is the appropriate name for that gun? The Lancer? I think is that Gears of War? It's the Lancer, yeah. yeah okay. Man, cool. Gears of War. Yeah. Stop and pop. Yeah, I don't I don't I do not have uh the the vocabulary as well for for the the Gears of War series, but there is one one really compelling difference between the Uncharted series and the uh The Last of Us, which which is very similar to Gears of War, whereas in Gears of War your characters look like they weigh seven hundred pounds. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and in yeah. the difference, but even though Nathan Drake and um, what's his name from The Last of Us, Joel from The Last of Us, both have very similar appearances and probably similar heights and builds, um, Joel basically feels like an elephant by comparison to Nathan <laughs> he Drake. Does. That's he awesome. does. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and does not have the and any of the verticality that, that Nathan Drake does. Yours is um, great. You slam against the wall, it's like you feel it. Like the, the whole house is almost shaking. Yes. <laughs> Boom. You know, it's like this 700 pound dude slams into this wall. It's like, bam. And then you pop out like your gun and you do a headshot. And it's Actually, like, boom. That, interestingly enough, I think that the 700 pounds could be mathematic, uh, conceptually accurate, considering your guys look like they weigh 300 pounds and are wearing 400 pounds of armor. Yeah, even the so. woman characters, they slam against the wall just as hard as everybody else. Yes. <laughs> Boom. Slam. I uh, think they're using roids. Yeah, have to be. I think so. I'm actually, I'm actually uh, kind of interested in in revisiting the Gear series one day. Um, I, I, I st- just random aside, Zach, have you ever played Judgment? No, I was gonna go buy it though. It's like ten bucks at GameStop. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think for some reason, I think that that one's worth playing. I don't know why. Uh, Narratively, friend- it's worth playing. It definitely yeah. is. But it's, I mean, it's kind of like Borderlands, the pre sequel. It's the, it's the B, it's a B team. Well, I don't. Want, I don't want to belittle the studio. It's it's yeah. not the same studio, it's and so right, it has right, a very right. different it's, feel to it. Is it the people that made Bulletstorm? People, is, is yes, it, it people is. can fly? People that yes, fly? Yes, people. Like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. well, yep. they're good at it's, like it's this. The, it's of, the Bulletstorm guys. They're good at yeah. that kind of friction, you know, like the mm-hmm. like. Bullet well, they also Storm are are within that. Epic, like they work at Epic Studios. Oh, they're so. Epic Teams, Epic Games Poland now. Oh really? Oh okay. Yeah. Oh no, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, um, so I'm going to share one 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 uh, tight comparison between two games that I've I've really come to appreciate, um, and and then we'll we'll go to another subject, um, and that's the difference between XCOM and Wasteland Two. And at, at the fundamental level, they're both completely tactical games, or not entirely entirely tactical games, but tactical RPGs where you're dealing with a unit of of soldiers that you um, can name uh, from the very very outset, and and then uh, they are your your crew, and you just try to keep them alive. They both have permadeath. They both are about um, kind of government organizations at the end of the world, um, and they're both about uh, 
using cover and lining up shots and gaining uh, a height advantage over your opponents and using guns. Um, but the difference between the two comes down to uh, what happens in the secondary nature of the game. So all tactics games have a, uh, uh, a resting side mechanic. So like, for example, in, um, in XCOM, you have the base. Uh, and, and in the base, you're, you're concerned with how, how am I allocating my resources towards uh, managing time? How am I uh, developing my relationships with certain nations that, that are, are uh, in great need? Um, and you're also balancing your choices of do I help China or do I help the United States? And, and who, who am I going to let get more attacked by aliens? China. China, yeah. And actually You are waste- such a racist. <laughs> no, it's, it's called preservation of our nation. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just it, offended so many people. I'm sorry. Probably. <laughs> and in, in Wasteland 2, it's actually very similar because you are, are also finding yourself in those exact same kind of like impossible scenarios. Do I help? Do I save Highpool or do I save the, uh, the farming town? And, farming town. Or the, the ag center, yeah. Um, and so you, you have to decide. Actually, I saved Highpool because they have water um, and you're in the desert. Um, but. There's, there's a decision that, that you have to make and you're going to lose something by choosing the other. And I think that that's very similar, but the difference is, like I said, there's the, the base management sim in XCOM. There's in Wasteland the uh, world exploration and uh, character micromanagement and just physically taking your, your team of, of four to seven characters and having them walk across – the Mo- uh, not the Mojave Desert, but yeah, I guess it's whatever the Arizona Desert is. The Nevada Waste? No, Some I don't know. Stupid desert place. It's just it's just a wasteland, you know. <laughs> I think that's what it's called, the stupid desert place. Yeah, stupid yes. desert place. <laughs> I saw that on the yeah. sign. Stupid desert place, yeah. eighty miles away. And but the it's the, the difference in your decisions is like you're in in it, it comes down to the, the the difference in the the meta game, I think, um, and it's very similar in. Uh, I'm also going to throw in another another game. So I'm, all I'm playing lately are tactics games. Um, and I, uh, I'm going to plug myself too. I, I recently started a show called Why We Love, and uh, the first game that I, I share on that is the Banner Saga. And in the Banner Saga, which is also another tactics game, which I could get in, into a lot of detail there. I'm not going to focus on the, me- the the tight mechanics, but just the the meta game, which is uh, like Oregon Trail, basically. Um, and you're making <laughs> these adventure adventure game style decisions for your crew. Also, again, very harrowing. Uh, do I do I let this? Do I save these people or do I save these people? Kind of decisions. Can you die from dysentery? That's all I want to know. Uh, close, very, very close. <laughs> <laughs> that they don't have dis- they don't have dysentery in um, in Skogar, uh, but uh, that you they do, know they do, of. They do have other various kinds of diseases that are that are eating up the units and sucking out their health. It's 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 a it's a sad day. Um, but I'm, I'm noticing that all these t- all these very very tense turn based tactical games have this uh, this resting component to the gameplay that relates to your uh, abilities within each each match, um, that's, which is why I called it metagame, but also much, much more restful than uh, the A, a to Bs. Um, and, and one of the other major, major discernment differences between Wasteland and XCOM, because that's the comparison I'm trying to stick to, right. is how XCOM has uh, a desperate sense of we must repel these alien invaders and wasteland two has much more of a sense of, uh, how do we, how do we 
bring our sense of uh, law and justice to a, a, a lawless world um, and uh, be the voice of reason in this in this uh, terrible place. Yet also you still have the choice, you know, does that reason look like I'm going to kill people or am I going to try to be as peaceable as possible? And uh, most of your uh, peaceable options are very limited. So it has, it has much more of a... Um, so do you think the game steers you towards a more violent path just by nature of not having as many options? I think a lot of the, 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 the nuance of options are in how you develop your characters. Um, and that's, that's actually the bigger difference between the two. And I know that's kind of evading the answer. Um, yeah, it is, but I'll let you get away with it. And he turns all the animations off. So. Well, not, you can't turn the animations off in, uh. in Wasteland 2, but I, do that, I definitely do that in Fire Emblem. Um, but the, the, the difference between the, the two is in... I'm going to pause you for just one second. Why, sure. do you, why, do you, why do you turn the animations off? Is that, a, is that a, just a time issue, or do you just not like them? Or I'm just, I'm just curious as to why you would Be- do that. Because in my, in my perception, and this is something that, that I really identify with Thomas Henschel on, is that you're, what matters in tactical games is your choice in those tactics. It's not your the the watching of those choices. Have oh, so like a, in a, so like in Advance Wars, it's like turning off the constant exactly long advanced, animations. Advanced you just want to perfect, see if you yeah, you just want to see if you wiped out their artillery. Yeah, unit. I don't I don't need to watch the the six second animation of the artillery going into the air and landing. On I them. understand what? better. What? I, I thought just you want, were talking about the story related cutscenes, but you're not talking about. It. You're talking about no. I'm going to do Super Magma Moose, and then it's like yeah. you know, light, and then a giant moose. And it's exactly why I, and, I, could, yeah. I couldn't stand the like. It's why I absolutely couldn't stand a lot of uh, Final Fantasy games where um, you suddenly <laughs> summon Shiva, and this and, and summoning Shiva means that you have a twenty second animation. I don't or want Knights to of the Round, which animation. is like two minutes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. super great. I love that I, stuff. I don't I don't want to watch any of those things. I just want to know how much damage did I cause and get back to the next yeah. step in the battle. You're not so why don't you just play friction. a text game then? Because I don't want I don't want to play a text game. I want to see the but you, I, so, so you want some aesthetic to your to your to your statistics. You just don't mo- want modest, too much yeah, aesthetic. I want a, mo- a modest aesthetic. I just want I just want to be able to, you know, bam Bam, bam. Like, I like that about action games, and I don't okay. like that about, about... Some of those animations are over the top. Oh, they get yeah. a little weary yeah. after a while. I love that stuff. Yeah. I, I feel like I need some kind of culmination to my decision-making, right? So, like, when things explode, it's like, good. Good. Thank you, game. <laughs> I need my explosion <laughs> animations. <laughs> no, and, that, and that's completely valid. And, I, and I, I mean, all, all, I'm, all I'm saying is that, like... With with like XCOM, I minimize the amount of animations and like the mm-hmm. amount of like cutting cutting to the over the shoulder shots and things like that because I like seeing right. from the sky where where these these this interchanges happen. I don't need to see it from from the battlefield view. I like having my head in the sky and because that's yeah. where my head is. I'm thinking about where everyone is in relationship to the other and how I'm going to win, or or how to simply keep everyone from dying. Is, that makes is sense. More accurate. Um, but uh, well, I, th- I think that's totally legit. I just I just totally didn't understand. I I was like Ted. I was like, you turn off what? But no, yeah. that's cool. And, and I, that, I, I'm that's with just, you. So um and and the final thing that I'll say about the difference between XCOM and and, and Wasteland is the nature of uh, decisions within them. So like in XCOM, you have basically I'm going. Do I upgrade this character? Do I choose A or B on what I'm going to choose for their next level? And in and uh, Wasteland Two, you are given so much freedom in how you develop all of your characters, you have no clarity. I, I call it the uh, 
old dirty bastard of tactics games because you have no instruction on how you're making decisions. It's like, you know, figure it out your own damn self. Ah. Like that's, <laughs> that's, nice. that's the approach that I love about XCOM is like, you, you don't know where to put your stats, figure it out your own damn self. <laughs> nice. Do, do you play it on Iron Man mode then? Oh no, no. Well, uh, no, because I'm, I'm quick saving like a pig. Like, ah. I, <laughs> I mean, what? I, what does that oh, even mean? I, love, I, well, love I, I, I legitimately every time that I show up in a new area, I am I, I quick save, and then I and then I, I I take a few steps and then I quick save and then I take a few steps. It's not quite that bad, but it's still along the lines of like I have no idea what I'm walking into in any scenario in the game, and I don't know how my how my decisions are going to affect the world, and so it's kind of like a, a much more of a grand scheme experiment. And I honestly do play XCOM very similarly, and I have played Iron Man mode in XCOM, um, but it, it it's not quite the same thing because I never know exactly how to allocate my points best in, in Wasteland 2, but in XCOM, uh, your decisions don't have as much uh, finality or, or granular... Right. It's not as much of an experiment in XCOM. It's much more like streamlined for the sake of yeah. You make um, this choice. You are committed to it, whether you like right, it or not. Right, right, and and that's and that's the nature of the game because Wasteland Two was crowdfunded by people who were like, we want, we want, you know, a, an old dirty bastard of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but XCOM was made um, with Two K's funding and and investor support, where they said, all right, we want to make XCOM, but we also want to make this palatable for people who've never played a tactics game before. Right. And so that's, I think that's ultimately the difference between the two. So that is, uh, I think that sums up our, our discussion on the, 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 the inter minutia of game mechanics and reading them. Uh, the, the last thing that I wanted to bring up real quick, uh, is worship music. I know it seems like a weird, a weird transition, but we were already talking about it. I think at the beginning of the podcast, I don't know when this episode started. Hymns for <laughs> life, death to CCM. There you go. I said it. <laughs> so h- how about how about that's actually a good segment. So like, um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but like, I totally so, don't believe that. It's just it's oh, just oh, fun. Okay. To, it's just totally fun to say. <laughs> OK, but you, so you, for, for those who are on the uninitiated side, Jonathan, can you explain what is CCM? OK, uh, CCM is essentially Christian contemporary music. It was a term coined by uh, it's what of all that of Jesus music from the 1970s started from a gentleman named Keith Green and others. Who started from that era? I'm surprised who, that that you feel that it goes back to Keith Green. I feel like it, I, I guess I guess you're right. I guess you're right. The 70s is when it started for sure. There yeah, were, mm-hmm. there was second chapter of Acts. There was uh, someone called Evergreen. Oh yeah, someone called Don Francisco. I know nothing about anything. there was uh, there was Res Band back. Know then. your history, uh, Zachary yeah, Oliver. Yeah, I, I, honestly, like I don't know a lot of this stuff, and I just have like this unfortunate. Uh, dislike for for uh ccm music so when you said death to ccm i was i was like yeah yeah and i didn't realize you were doing it ironically i'm gonna interject if you don't like (laughs) what we term ccm or which would be contemporary music does that mean you prefer uh, older music from past centuries or Uh, well let me for for those of you who may have grown up in the 90s and late 80s like i did this this will probably i grew up listening to two types of music because they were the only pieces of music my parents would let me listen to. I listened to the Bill Gaither trio incessantly mm-hmm. and Carmen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I listened to a lot of Carmen when I was <laughs> yeah. 10. Yeah. I still get a little shiver whenever I hear the champion. I don't know why. Because the song is... Yes, it's so Satan horrible. Satan Bite the Dust was my jam. 
There was that song he did with DC Talk, "Addicted to Jesus." That was yeah, just, yeah. It's painful to listen to. It's, it, so it, it's to a listen. little. I, I really like the one that he did with Petra. Um, I can't remember the name it's of the song. Our turn now. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Change. Something like that. <laughs> and no, the best part as... is that, like, you're not actually mocking. You're actually singing it pretty much just like. Oh, John Schlitt from Petra. Yeah, that's how he sounds. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. awesome. What's really funny is that uh, there in my in my area there is a, a church that's called Petra. And when Petra was doing their final farewell tour as a band, they came and played at Petra Church. So I, you could have gone and seen Petra at Petra. It's Petra. Yeah, except they're Petra. coming back now. <laughs> that makes that is even more confusing. What except if they Petra's... were like? What if they did Petra like at the actual? Wouldn't it? Was it called Petra? Isn't that, that yeah, 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 Petra and Jordan. Yeah, that would <laughs> that'd be, be a way to do their final show. <laughs> oh, People are like Petra well, is a heavy metal so cool. band. That's well, not Petra's, heavy metal. Petra's coming back, dude. I remember when I first heard Petra, my parents gave me a cassette tape in 1992, and I put it into my cassette player and listened to it in bed, and I was like, oh my gosh, my parents are giving me rock and roll music. I know, it's amazing. <laughs> amazing. They're, they're, they're like hard rock. Somebody they are, told they me are hard rock, but they're late they're, 80s hard rock. Yeah, and somebody so, told me they're heavy metal, and I listened no, to them, I'm like, that. they are not mm-hmm. metal. Mm-hmm. This is Christian metal. Yeah. It's not. It's not, it's not even metal. metal. Yeah. Striper was Christian metal of the late yeah. of, of, yeah. of the mid eighties. They're still around. They're they still, are around. still around. You can and you they can sound still, good. You can still get Bible bombed by Striper. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the Bible bombing. <laughs> See, hey, they got a new Matthew. album. They got a new <laughs> album too. It's amazing. They're still they're still making music. That's the impressive part. So, so yeah. taking taking a step back real quick, um, I just want to bring it back to you. when I think of CCM music now, mm-hmm. what I think of is I think of most worship music in evangelical churches. So I'm thinking like yeah. Hillsong, I'm thinking Chris Tomlin, I'm thinking everything sounds just like that. When oceans Paul rise, etc. Yeah. What, what, what I have noticed like? when I learn worship music, if I'm if I hear one and I like it, I do find that on guitar there's usually one of five chords and a mm-hmm. and a, a pattern that he, that comes out and I can figure it out too quickly. And that yeah. I think that maybe is what you might be feeling too. Is that it's like they found this formula once upon a time it was new, it was exciting and different, and now what was contemporary is now almost shifting into the previous generation. Ah, uh, you know, I need something different. Well, than and that. it also Parody. it also kind of like goes in ten year bouts. Like you have mm-hmm. the, the CCM of the nineties, the CCM of the aughts, and the CCM of of today. And, uh, you know, the teens or whatever you're calling this decade that we're in right now um, is that there's there's kind of like a a, a set uh, composition of sorts that just permeates the whole of, of the world. But the thing is, there's there's a reason for that. And I've realized as I as I've listened to some of my favorite um, avant garde uh, Christian music, uh, like uh, worship- avant garde. I did. Avant-garde. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, Jonathan, you look cool twirling that thing. It's like you're a drummer for a band. You're twirling your pen and your fingers. <laughs> I did. I did drumline in, in high school and college. So You rock, man. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Sorry. So, no, that's fine. So, uh, But yeah, like I've just noticed that there's uh, some of my, my, the, the bands that I like that are much, much more uh, nuanced and personally expressive in, in, in their own faith. Um, when they try to do congregational worship, there is a, a, an obligation to simplify and to use words that everyone knows. Um, and just like just like advertising, like, and I, mm-hmm. I hate to use that comparison, but it's just like advertising. If you're going to make something that most people are going to get, you got to go with a second grade level at at at, at, well, at, 
there's Mac- two things I think you can derive from that from those points, Josh and uh, or M, Josh. Sorry. The, the the two things that I think of because I full disclaimer I lead worship for my church on Sunday right right and, that, and that's why I wanted to bring it up while you two were on here because I know that Ted does the same so when when I look at there was this book uh, a while back called Why Johnny Can't Sing Hymns and it's a little one sided in its presentation it has definitely has an agenda but it, it has three points that that this, this guy who's a Presbyterian minister sorry if I misquoted this gentleman uh, and I'll have to look up the credit here but. He he when he when he picks songs for his church he picks them almost six months out because it's a very liturgical church yeah but he but he looks at songs one of three ways are they scripturally accurate mm-hmm. are they do they lend themselves to a corporate body because it's one thing to sing a song by yourself it's yeah. one thing to sing a song in a car but when you put a bunch of people together that are coming together that may have very little to extensive music uh, background that have can sing or they can't sing as that nice sweet dear old lady behind you who can't find a tune on sunday mornings mm. yeah will attest to you have to find a song that everyone can sing so we, we were mentioning a, a somewhat controversial song from a couple of years ago before we started recording uh the oh how he, uh, the sloppy wet kiss song how whose name i can us. oh how he loves us yes thank you and that song has a very irregular cadence and it's difficult yeah. to sing in corporate worship and that's one yeah, of the yeah, reasons yeah. we don't sing at our church is because we have a very we, we i don't want to say older crowd but we but it's just it's they 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 like the hymns yeah, they like the old Florida, hymns. you're allowed to say you have an older church yeah i don't know how many of them listen to this I so also, i have to be careful i also think we're allowed <laughs> to sing hymns even if the church is primarily youth focused but a lot of churches don't well that's the other that's the second point is when you go into a church service or a church gathering on sunday mornings nine times out of ten i was i would say most people especially those who are looking for a, a new family to 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 join with they come into it with expectations you you come into uh, a service expecting the holy spirit to be there you come in yeah, there that's, and that's a good expectation and it is a good expectation but the problem is sometimes we'll have our own spin on it so let's say you have the old crowd in there and they they just they sit there and they grump because they they're not getting a victory in jesus or you have the newer group who are, are upset because they're not getting oceans may fall for the fifth time yeah yeah in, in a row so it's it's very difficult, and I'm sure Ted, you can attest to this too, since you do the same thing. It's hard to find that balance, and it's it, hard and to it, find a lot of things right. It's easier to do things wrong than it is to do things right. Yes, but the, but the thing you always have to remember is you're there to, and this is going to sound cliche, but you're there to lead people into the presence of God. He's already yeah. there. It, yeah. It's not like we can invoke him. Well, it's, it's not it's like more we can, like you're, you're leading people's awareness into him. It, exactly. Exactly, and, that, so, and I think that that can sometimes be a little bit more helpful to understand. And with that CCM, you are you are leading people into into his presence, but you're leading their awareness into his presence, right? Into, into so his, it, his, his his yeah. Anyway, right. So uh, have, another uh, element. Go, go for it, Ted. I've been hogging the. I'm, right. I've been hogging it. You guys go ahead. I'm going to shut up. One element too, <laughs> and we listen to songs and lyrics. I think we are listening to them from our perspective, and some of the songs that don't mean a lot to us as as males may be more relatable to to females who are singing oh, yeah. worship songs. Yeah, that's, like that's a really good point. Kiss one definitely can, could mean something more to them and how God loves that woman and is pursuing her with it with a truly passionate heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and a completely also, valid point, considering like and I just I do just have to say that like as much as I'm down on like like uh, Hillsong and Chris Tomlin or just the the typical CCM stuff of today, like. I got. I mean, my wife absolutely loves that stuff, and that that like really, really speaks to her heart. Right. Whereas to me, like, I'm like, oh god, give me anything weird, please. Yeah. 
nothing, nothing, nothing. And, and, and finding anything weird in, in worship music is like asking for like, um, filet mignon at Starbucks or, uh, you know, like they don't uh, serve meat there. Well, they may soon because they got a. <laughs> I think they have liquor licenses at Starbucks now. So. Certain stores do now. Yeah. It's awesome, and they're going to serve dinner and stuff. It's night Starbucks. Oh, that's interesting. It's the beginning of the takeover. Your of metaphor a is wrong. My, my metaphor, my, but, but that's that's actually no, no, no. My metaphor is meant to be a little bit more shifting, though, because like I don't believe that it's unrealistic unre- to find. Um, much more nuanced and exploratory songs, considering, you know, what is what is the one scripture that we hear the most whenever we talk about worship song, or maybe not the most, but one of the themes that I hear a lot is sing sing a new song, and and even in all these songs, like uh, like that song that that one one of the songs that I hear all the time is uh, sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, 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 holy. Yeah, I don't I don't know what that yeah. song is. But but, but uh, or the name yeah, of that song? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, I know now. Thank you. you, you yeah, thank thank you for for Notice elaborating. Notice it took Jonathan for me to get that. that yeah, <laughs> and, that's, and that's completely and that's completely all right. But when, when I think about that, I think of that phrase: "Sing a new song." What what what? When, and, I, and I've actually like uh, this is something that that God's like put on my heart a lot, especially whenever I go to churches like uh, in the Messianic Jewish tradition. All the songs sound the same. Um, and, uh, and this is, this is just like different church denominations, all the songs sound the same. And yet the, the word that we hear in the scriptures is sing a new song, not the one, not, not a song that, that everyone is already singing, but a new mm-hmm. song. And so why don't more churches develop their own liturgy? Why don't more churches actually create? create their own songs. I don't understand why that's not a more common practice. Uh, I go to a church that does write their own songs and does a lot of their own original material. But I got to tell you, when I first went, I was not able to get into it because I was truly lost. And it took about the third visit before I was like, oh, okay, I I remember this song a little bit. And and also, like, I could tell you about the song, but it would mean nothing to you. But at least this holy, holy you know, yeah, one I, know I, that one. we can all sort of yeah, globally all, recognize. Yeah. I think I, a mix in that area is a good. That's thing. actually, and that's a really, really good point. Is the the value of bringing in in the the new and the old from the storehouses? Because Jesus said something about bringing bringing out the uh, the the old. Bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves. sheaves. Interestingly enough, I have a bigger problem (laughs) with the worship leader getting a little too self-absorbed in their own awesomeness than I do about the song choice. Yeah, yeah, Don't use prayer as a transition. That's my number one rule. That happens all the time. What do you mean? It's it's inevitable. Modernly, uh, uh, most I can't say all because I don't want to make blanket statements because we know what happens when those those happen. Yeah, M. Josh makes Photoshop posts on facebook about it and (laughs) um most modern worship leaders you will start off a set with a prayer and then you will sing the first song and then to transition to the second song they'll play that 90s electronic piano sound or something and they'll pray very impassionedly between i don't know if ted does this so ted if you do this i apologize Uh, no 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 no, no. i I know exactly what you're talking about i just don't understand what what your issue is with that because you you're you're discussing the issue but not explaining for some for some ministers and they have been on record on saying this is they they have they've used it as a transition just as you would listen to a radio station you go between two songs and you hear the bumper I'll hit 98.9, the Quad Cities number one, hit music station, and then Uh boom, you're into the next song. So to them, it's more of a transition going from one song to the next rather than actually praying to God. It's become formulaic. It's become a rote. It's become something. I'll tell you the thing that bugs me the most is when suddenly the worship 
leader or the people who are singing think they're the best and the most awesome. So all the <laughs> lyrics disappear from the screen or the uh, slide or whatever. And then they do like their, I'm singing. See me. Look at me. I'm so holy right now. Well, and, and that's I actually pretty that. similar that's to what, what they would do in the 90s where it was uh, the, the special music. Uh, what yes. they call the special music, where yes. it's just one person oh, gets up yeah. and then they sing, they sing a song, and it's not congregational worship. Yeah, that's, I may have that, a couple of karaoke performance tracks somewhere in my house. From that's, 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 actually, that's actually exactly from it. That. That's, that's exactly I it. Hate it's, that. it's, it's karaoke. Worst. That's all. That's ex- uh-huh. lit, it's church karaoke, and it's painfully awkward because usually the person singing it isn't doing any better than a person would be singing a karaoke song. Well, I, yeah, I, but you. Can't I don't do know if I entirely middle. agree with that. But. <laughs> you can't do it in the middle of the song, though. Like, they do it in the middle of the song, and it just, oh, my oh. God, it irks me so much. It's like, well, I'm worshiping right now. Why can I not sing? Why are you taking the lyrics from me? Yeah. Before before this turns into a complete rat fest, let's 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 remember a few things. First off, I mean, we, I mean, there is no one hundred, there is no one hundred percent clear biblical mandate on how a modern worship service is supposed to go. And if you want to go really into the history of it, you could almost some people could make a very good argument to say that we shouldn't even be meeting in these buildings in the first place. And that's that's a whole other yeah. There, there, there's there, a lot there, of stuff. <laughs> I'm just talking a, about I don't know about you about you uh, people works. following old pagan traditions, but I, I'm eating a, <laughs> I'm eating a house and we eat food. Oh man! So <laughs> anyway, the the point is is we if you look at the history of the Christian Church, and if you take a look at the history of the Christian Church even before the Reformation, back when we were part of the Catholic Church, you have fifteen hundred years of music being written of different yeah. styles and genres. Yeah, and I, I, there is no and music minister. And languages. And languages, yes, exactly. And there is no music minister on this earth who is going to be able to encapsulate in us on in thirty minutes to forty five minutes on any given Sunday. Great movie, by the way. Um, <laughs> that that that. <laughs> Sorry, I just mentioned that. Now. I thought you were going somewhere, and you just uh, derailed me. I, I derailed myself. So yes, uh, <laughs> there's just no music minister who's going to be able to capture the, all that history. You have to learn what your family expects how you can best serve them and also minister to them and let them hopefully open up their minds. Like just very briefly, what we do at our church is we introduce one new song a month and we sing it every week until the family, until the group gets to know it. And that way, a, when we say, Oh, we need another song for the Sunday. Boom. I can just drop it into the, the order of service and we all know it. And yeah. I know the church family knows the first couple of weeks are going to be awkward. It happens. Yeah. Like Doug Willis, uh, Doug Wilson, his church up in Moscow, Idaho, and New St. Andrews, he has a music professor at, his, at New St. Andrews College, and he writes custom songs for every Sunday service. Uh, they have the whole book, and, it's, oh. since he, and he has the student orchestra help lead worship on Sundays to mixed results. But yeah, yeah. Th- the point is, is that they're all scripture. They're all original compositions based on yeah. psalms. Yeah, so you have some of that, and then you have classical hymns, and then on occasion they'll do a somewhat modern song. So they have that mix that you were talking about, Ted. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. No, that's really, really cool. It's hard to say what modern music is. I mean, hymns were once upon a time very modern. modern. They were based on, as we probably know, bar tunes or popular tunes that you might hear in a pub or a restaurant or some kind of like Amazing Grace. Especially (laughs) that they changed the lyrics to. Yeah. So I love, I've always loved that sort of appropriating things that, that people can recognize and turning it into some way to glorify God. And it's exciting to think, you know what? I mean, (laughs) it's Jesus. No, 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 that that you're actually, you're actually referencing Chronicle right now, whether you realize it or not. Sorry. Well, I'm again, I'm what in my forties here. I'm an adult. I, 
I'm a child of the 80s. I hear stuff now in a, going to a very contemporary church that I can't connect with or relate yes. to. But right. I know that it is connecting to a lot, a lot of the younger yeah, people yeah. who are there yeah. and who are bringing their parents with them mm-hmm. to, to yeah. church because they're so excited about it. And, and 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 falling in love with Jesus and being baptized and all of this stuff yeah. that is really what church is, is about. And right, for me, but, I, as much as I would absolutely love if uh, an entire worship service was was led with woven hand music, uh, which which is my my personal favorite band, by the way. Um, oh, I, re- I thought I thought that was a style. I'm like woven. No, no, no. Hand? What? Yeah. So, do, well, do you all go up there? As you're singing. And, and no, 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 no. Woven woven hand, woven hand is is kind of like a, <laughs> a, a very 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 strange experimental. <laughs> we have made uh, this entirely unserious. That's okay. Yes. Uh, but. <laughs> But no, oh. no, seriously, go check out Woven Hand. Their, their God, stuff is like... I'm weaving, I'm weaving my hands for you. My hands are a loom. I want to make room for you. Oh my goodness, you have made a new worship song. <laughs> you have made it. I can't even remember what I just did. I'll have to hear CCLI that CCLI that sucker, man. Get, get, get your royalties <laughs> off that. Yeah. I'll share this with you, Josh, and you'll appreciate this being a pretentious hipster. Um <laughs> I saw this. Every once in a while, I read the trade journals just to see what the big, huge, mega behemoth churches are doing. There yeah. was a church in Texas not too long ago uh-huh. uh, that incorporated the Wii into worship. The Wii? Pete, the, yeah, the oh, Nintendo oh, 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 Wii. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought you meant like the Royal Wii. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no. We're talking Nintendo Nunchuck Wii. We're, we're yeah. talking people oh, yeah, who yeah, sit yeah, in the yeah, front yeah. two rows can sit and, I quote, influence the visual impact of the music. Yeah, yeah. No, on the screen. I'm swinging, they, they take I'm the swinging and they have, for you. And as they shake the Wiimotes during Home service, in the background, heart. you know, in my days, we had overheads. We had transparency right, right. overheads. Okay? You go to a copier, you put it on this projector. Now we have all these fancy people holding no, hands I, and wheat shields and, and whatnot behind the lyrics. Which is very distracting, and you, and you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. Leaf fields is true. When <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding hands with my friend in this wheat field for you, it's yes. gonna be a harvest of grain. Who, who does this? Who goes to wheat fields in the middle of the Midwest? And then holds takes each pictures, hands, and then sings kumbaya. Who does that? I don't know. I guess you know there are some people who do that. I was just thinking about Wii sports in the in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I'm punching for you. Boom, boom, boom. Well, okay, to be fair, to be fair, I've I've actually talked to Josh Larson from um, that Dragon Cancer a little bit about uh-huh. this. He actually introduced me to the concept, what, what you're talking about, Jonathan, mm-hmm. about the the, the we uh, being used in worship services. It actually looks kind of cool. The only problem is the fact that the we is is completely out of the the cultural limelight and no well, longer. See, that, that that's my issue with that's it. Christian it's churches. They're, they're five years behind the times at yeah, all times. Sure, sure. And Ted, you can disagree with me on this one if you want, but I think if for any element of a service, I don't care if it's communion, if it's the sermon, if it's the announcements at the beginning, if the service is not directing people towards knowing Christ and asking Christ to be part of the service, I saw that, Ted. Then no, I'm serious. That, I was symbolizing what you were thinking. With all the hand-weaving, I'm not sure anymore. Uh, <laughs> Josh. Thank, thank you, Zachary. Yes. Uh, if it's not doing that, if it's not servicing, if you look at something like a Wii controller in the front two rows changing a video screen, and you, and, and you can't instantly tell me how is that furthering the cause of the gospel, 
has no place in a service. That's my blanket statement for the day, and I'm done. I'm going to drop the mic and walk off, and people can leave okay. any comments. Bye, bye John. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, let Where's me give my two cents for that since you said I might disagree, and I might. I don't know. I haven't experienced it. It might make me feel a little awkward. I think um, if I did that in children's church, that could be kind of a an interesting thing. I don't know if it would be a worship hmm. thing. It could be something different. I don't know what that would be, but I think about how maybe it might connect. <laughs> See, I'm, there's, that's that's another thing that someone could use as a connect um, with with somebody in some way that makes them think, you know, that was kind of cool. Maybe church is kind of cool a little bit. Five years ago, <laughs> I don't know why it's like it's like a perpetual thing. Every time my brother, we always talk about this, and it's like. Churches are exactly five years behind pop culture trends. It's awesome. Like, we're just catching up. We're just well, catching up. <laughs> well, that's, what? Why, that's why for me in, in Game Cell, like, I, I really, 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 like, one of the things that's really important for me is that I'm sharing with these these guys experiences, games, thoughts that are even not out yet. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, when I, when I uh, had a Game Church review code for the, uh, this war of mine, which still isn't out yet, I, I think that when this episode comes out, it might be out by that time, but um, it's it's a, a game that, that wasn't out even like th- the two, three months ago that, that we had it in Game Cell, and I wanted my guys to, to be able to experience this because I think that it's really, really important, and one of the things that God's really been pressing upon me is not the, the, the feeling of I have to be in the moment and, in, in, and on the cutting edge of the world because of a mental def- uh inadequacy or something on those lines, but because um, where culture is formed is where he wants to be, where, where the, the world is being built. He wants to sow the kingdom. You know what I mean? Like where, where that, where, wherever there's change, like that's where he wants us to be so that we're able to bring the kingdom where, so that, so that the kingdom is able to be uh, influenced in every avenue of of society and, and society is only influenced where it's being, created so i think it's really important and for me personally like i work at a tech firm where we're coming up with technology that's not uh that doesn't even have any sense of uh place yet like we're talking about the the internet of things which is we're only barely getting to a point where everything is is internet connected and where everything is using the cloud and artificial intelligence etc um but that's like where i work it's where i live it's where i think that god wants us to be um there, uh, not behind the curve, where we have no say in these things, and we're just being affected by them. Yeah, I would. Hope I think the that is, an, is on the ball. <laughs> I think this is an excellent topic for another podcast because we could go on this yeah. for hours. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And you guys all have to do stuff. Yeah, we all. I have to get ready for work. I'm working I, I, right now. <laughs> I, I am working right now. I'm working on collecting 200 uh, tears on Mars right now. <laughs> what, what level are you? A 29. God, how do you do that? Other than by playing for hours. Raid. The raid gear. Raid gear? Uh, yeah, what level are you, Ted? 20. Stuck on 20 for three weeks. Okay, just do do, do the strike playlist. You'll get yourself strike some sweet... playlist. Yeah, yeah, go... go. I see your cross-media bar back there with Assassin's Creed Revelations hovering in the background. <laughs> this Freedom this- Cry. Oh, is that Freedom Cry? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. half it's halfway cut off. It looks like the Revelation thing. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, boot up your destiny, go to the strike playlist, and just do a lot of twenty four, a uh, lot of level twenty raids, and you'll get gear, dude. Don't worry. 
Raids. All right. I'll, I'll look into that because I'm at hey, that point where I'm a little frustrated. You know what? Add me as a friend on PSN, and I will personally spend time with you and walk you through oh, it. You guys X- can play video games together. Just Xbox like a community. Live. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have it on Xbox. I'll well, play. I mean, I'll, I'll join that. I'll join the evil Microsoft cult. Sure, why not? <laughs> can you can you transfer your character from one to the next? No, no, you can't. Sadly enough, so I have to. I, have I to didn't think so. Character. I was just. Cu- yeah. now, I mean, can you transfer from from PS4 to PS3? Yes, because my, my brother. If, if you if you read my piece on GameChurch.com about Destiny and community, there's my self plug for the day. Um, wow. You. <laughs> I yeah, because my brother and I play almost every night on the PS3. But right now I'm sitting here at my desk playing it on the PS4. Same character, same everything. It just it's looks prettier. Cool, very cool. Yeah. So um, and I'm gonna be self pluggy too because I just started my new my new YouTube show, Why We Love. So I'm gonna say that if you want to check that out, go to my website, lovesubverts.com. How Ted, long is an episode? Um, I'm trying to keep it under 15 minutes. Okay. Um, I'm gonna try to keep. I'm going to try to keep them under 10 minutes, but since it's kind of a combination between an overview and a let's play, um, it's meant to be like, here's the thematic resonance, here's an overview, and I'm playing it at the same time. So, um, Is it audio-friendly, or do I need to watch it? Yeah, it's audio-friendly. I'm, talk- I'm talking pretty much the whole way through it, so okay, I, think gotcha. that, I think that you can just listen to it. That's how, that's how I reviewed it, honestly. I didn't okay. watch, it, watch it while I was uh, reviewing it, but I listened to it, so I think it's pretty friendly to just listen to. Um, oh. And yeah, I don't I don't like watching just just watching let's plays, but I realize that if I'm connecting with people who are younger, they they uh like the guys who come to my game cell, like it, it tends to to work a little bit better to have something more visual. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh and Ted, where can we find you? Well, well I'm in Ted.com, but I really just have been working so much. I have not done anything. So if you're looking for new exciting contact Theologygaming.com is an excellent website that has lots of updated content. Yeah, I regularly And if you would like, you can go to our, our iTunes page and give us a 5.3 star review uh, because it's better than uh, – and, and just, just write a review actually. Just write and tell everyone that, that, you, that you are a, a, a single dad and that you think that it is better than any of the other single dad podcasts out there. Single dad? <laughs> We're in the single, single dad, dad category. <laughs> when did that happen? Uh, Our podcast is a great way to meet German, women. German single so, dads. Single we are dads. we are the, the the number one podcast among German single dads. I'm just I'm just German saying. Dads. All of a sudden, all I can think of is that episode in Futurama where Fry knocked single female lawyer off the air. That's all I can single think of. Female lawyer. Yes. Okay. Gosh. And wow. you can, and if you want, you can follow me. I am on two places. Uh, occasionally, I post something on GameChurch.com, uh, and then my normal gaming news feed can be found on a site called Inquisitor. Uh, just, just Google search cool things like I do a column every Sunday for the new video game releases, and uh, just, just type in new video game releases, and usually I'm at the top of Google. So just look for me and read my article and help me pay my mortgage. A website Yay. called the Inquisition. What? No, What's it? I, it's an. It used to be an old tech blog from a guy oh. from CNET, but he sold it to some uh, investors and have turned it into kind of a celebrity lifestyle blog. So, for so example, you can we find out all about Kim Kardashian's divorce uh, and the new video game releases from Jonathan Arkosi. Yeah, our biggest, our biggest traffic She's generator. Always getting divorced. Uh, he always is getting divorced, dude. Our biggest traffic generator is always a Justin Bieber. In fact, we have one girl on staff who all she does, <laughs> all she does, is write three Justin Bieber articles a day. And she makes mad money. It's insane. Whoa. Man. 
I, I, yeah, it's sad. But yeah, no, just, yeah, uh, Inquisitor, I, and I'm not even going to try to spell it because it's not spelled correctly. Just, just Google new video game releases, look for my bald head by the Google image search result, and you will find me. Cool. And, and I'm exactly Inquisitor. Go ahead. <laughs> Close us out, Zach. Close us out. It's your job. Wrap it oh, up with a bow, it. Zach. Oh, yeah. Do it, boss man. You're uh, a boss. Theology Gaming has a YouTube channel. Please go visit it where I yes. ramble on about mechanics and video games. In 60 FPS. Yes, 60 FPS is so good. It Especially actually, when it's on the PlayStation can... 4 more often than the Xbox One. Well, I have oh. it on, I'm using a 360, so it's still... Well, the only, the only way to watch it is on PC or a Mac in Chrome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in well, FPS. you know what? But, 60 FPS is still awesome. Yeah, it, it, is awesome. it, it is worthwhile. And you do have to switch into 60 FPS. Yeah. But again, it's worth it. And my current plan is to play through the whole of the Wii U version of Bayonetta because I need to unlock everything anyway, so I may as well just play through it and record it at the same time. The you PC need... version of Bayonetta 1, not Bayonetta 2? Yeah, because yeah, Bayonetta 2, I play a lot of. And I'm sure like a billion other people are doing a Let's Play of it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to actually play through the one I like a little better. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And go. if I can watch it in 60 FPS, even better, because I don't think I can get that on my PS3. Yeah, and you'll watch it and you'll go, what's wrong with my life? 30 <laughs> FPS Bayonetta is awful. Yeah, it is It is kind of It is kind of terrible by comparison. Yeah, it's very chunky. So, Zach, close us out for today, and I'm going to go to work. All right. This <laughs> has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. Give us a rating on the iTunes. And josh already plugged all the people so i'm not sure exactly what i'm supposed to say but i'm just gonna keep talking until somebody tells me to sign up it's theology and we're gaming just for you <laughs> our joysticks are being button pressed for your glory <laughs> and just fade it out right there we're good fade out. that's awesome